you want to open up your Bibles uh, to Psalm 139. Um, just finished up Nehemiah, so we're going to just do a couple topical messages here, and I thought this week would be good to talk about the comfort um, that God sees us, and so just kind of a uh, thematic message, jump all around the scripture um, here and just talk about the fact that it's a comfort that God sees us, and probably, I think, get about halfway through this week, and then Andy's going to preach next week, Lord willing, and then finish it up two weeks from now. But the fact that God sees us. So let's start here in Psalm 139. Read, let's read verses 7 to 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for the darkness is as light with you. So, kind of a funny story. I, um, I had a, a reason I'm giving this message is I had a dream, which I don't think it was like miraculous or anything like that. Um, so no need to worry <laughs> about that. Um, but I just had a dream. Uh, my friend Zach, who came, who you can pray for them. Uh, he came and shared about India and their work there and. They were supposed to leave a while ago, but they got sick, and so they had to postpone it, and they're finally getting ready to leave um, and go back over to India. And so you can pray for them. They should be back at the end of this month. It was supposed to be two months ago, but like I said, they got sick, and so they had to cancel until they could get cleared to go. But anyways, so Zach Vickers came a while and shared, and, and I had a dream that he called me, and he said, I've got a message that I prepared. I want you to listen to it. It's a hundred, a hundred reasons that it's a comfort that Jesus sees us. And I thought, oh, that sounds kind of good. And then I could, in my dream, we were talking on the phone, and then he, I couldn't hear any of his points. And so, and then the dream ended. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that sounds like a really good message. <laughs> and I, I texted him and about that. I was like, I'd like you to give this message. <laughs> Maybe not a hundred points. That might be too long. But, um, so I thought, well, it's just kind of an example of iron sharpening iron. I thought, yeah, that does make sense that I had a dream because he's very encouraging and sounds like a message he would give. And um, so I thought, well, that is kind of that is encouraging. So then I was thinking about it. You know, well, what would the points be? And so, um, kind of a funny story, but so you can thank Zach really for this message <laughs> because I really do believe. You know, it's it's encouraging. Really, this is kind of a side note, but just that God gives us friends, that we need, we all need each other, and we're all different. And it's not a message that I would have thought to give, but it's like just my friendship with Zach, it's like that does sound like a message that he would give, and somehow subconsciously that came out in my dreams. But anyway, so here we are. Let's talk briefly five things about God sees us. The first thing I want to point out here in terms of the whole Bible, this is throughout the whole Bible, and we'll see that 
but God sees us. And the first thing I want to say is that God sees you even if you don't feel it. That God sees you even if you don't feel it. And so that really comes out here in Psalm 139. I mean, just if you're looking here, verses 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. So he's saying, even if I said, you know, surely this is the spot where God can't see me, he still sees me. And it's important really to start there because God seeing you isn't dependent on how you feel today. Whether your day is going well, or your year, or your month, or whether today is a, a difficult day, or whether things are dark. The reality is, is that even there, God sees you, whether you feel it or, or don't feel it. It's a reality. It's a truth about the whole world that's independent of our feelings. And praise the Lord that that's the case. And so God sees you, whether you feel it or not. And that's, that's a comfort. Because if... God seeing us, or if our walk with God was dependent on our emotions, surely, boy, there would be a lot of days without much comfort, right? Because I think for all of us, we go up and down, some of us more than others, but there's ups and downs on how you feel today. And the reality is that wherever you're at, whatever's going on, um, whether it's good or bad, whether it feels dark, even if the light about you feels dark, even the best parts of your life and um, what God's given you feel dark, God's there. He still sees you. That's a comfort. Another verse that kind of summarizes the same idea is in Proverbs 15.3. It says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God sees you even if you don't feel it. That's for everyone. You know, there's many people that would say, God's not watching me. God's, God doesn't care um, what goes on in the world. And, uh, or they don't even believe in God. But the reality is is that God sees everything and everyone, whether they feel it or not, whether they feel like that's true or not. And God is there. Um, praise the Lord for that. I like some of these other things that he says. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. This is in Psalm 139 still. If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, you are there. So wherever you go, this is true. Um, if anywhere in creation... Um, God will see you and praise the Lord for that. So that's the first thing is just that God sees you regardless of your feelings. So I hope that's a comfort to you today because maybe you woke up today and you feel terrible and just maybe not sick. Maybe you're tired. A lot of times when you're physically tired, it seems like emotionally and spiritually, there's ups, you know, ups and downs and extremes there. And so maybe you're just physically tired and you're feeling just worn out and wrung out. God's still there. God still sees you. God knows what's going on wherever you're at. Um, maybe you woke up just emotionally wrung out and you just feel down, you feel depressed. And, you know, this verse in the Bible is, is telling you God's still there. God still sees you. God still knows what's going on. So let's, that kind of brings us into the second thing. And for this one, if you want to turn with me to Genesis 16. Let's read just a couple of verses here in Genesis 16. Genesis chapter 16, and just read a couple verses here. This is this is Hagar when she's sent out. 
Let's start in verse 7, Genesis 16, 7. The angel of the Lord found her, Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So he called the name of the Lord so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing, for she said, Truly here have I seen him who looks after me. And thereafter the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And that just you might have a footnote in your Bible, but that um, means the well of the living one who sees me. So the name of that place. And so here God is sees Hagar, and as she's fleeing from Sarah, and it's kind of an interesting story because surely she's been hearing about Abraham and God, how his relationship with God. But here she is, she's kind of mistreated here in a lot of different ways by Sarah and Abraham and then sent out. And, and then God sees her, and it's kind of a revelation to her. God sees me. Truly here I have seen the one who looks after me. Um, and so the second thing I want you to notice is that God sees you specifically. God sees you specifically because the reality is, you know, you could have heard the first point. God sees everyone. God sees everything. But it's not really real to you that God sees you and God cares for you. And that's really what's going on here. Surely Sarah, uh, Hagar has heard about God in general, but he, he's real to her specifically her here and she sees wow God sees me as an individual and he cares for me he's watching out for me it's the same for you God sees you Spurgeon has a good quote it's one of my it's one of my favorite quotes I probably share this I don't know 10 times maybe but it's worth reading again here this is what Spurgeon says to take up a general truth and make it our own by personal faith is the highest wisdom it is but poor comfort to say the Lord is a refuge, but to say he is my refuge is the essence of consolation or comfort. You know, the reality is, is we often do that. You know, we have this idea, general truth, but then taking it and making it personal by faith is where the real comfort comes in. And we, a lot of times, fail to do that. You know, God um, works all things together for good. You know, we could all probably quote that verse but then when something happens to us, how often do we say, God is working in this specific situation for my good? And not only do I know it intellectually, but I actually believe it, and it affects me today. You know, whether that's traffic or whether that's you're working on something and you know, it doesn't work out, whether that's school, whether that's work, whether that's relationships, whether that's sickness, all these things we often know the right answer or could say the right thing and fail to take that and take it in faith and personalize it to the specific. We leave it out in the kind of the general. 
And we don't want to do that with anything in the Bible, but we don't want to do it here today as we're talking about God seeing you. God sees you. God sees where you're at. God knows every difficult thing going on in your life. You. You know, let's do a thought experiment. Or if you're under 10, put on your imagination caps. Um, and think and imagine this. Imagine if God only had one Christian to pay attention to in the whole world. And he, and that was you. Only one person to look and know what's going on and to be there for them. How confident would you feel that God is aware and is capable? The reality is, is that God couldn't know any more or be any more aware of you, um, whether that you're the only Christian in the world or whether there's a million or billion Christians, than he already is, because God is infinite. You know, it's like we sometimes take human, what our human interactions, and we push them on God, maybe subconsciously. You know, as a parent of more than one kid, you know, you can't be fully aware of what they're doing all the time. And the more things you're trying to keep track of, the less focus really you have on any one thing. But that's not how God is. That's how human beings are. That's not how God is. God can know you absolutely every single detail, every emotion, every difficulty, uh, whether that's emotional, physical, circumstantial, psychological, relational, all, all of it, to, better than you know yourself. And he can do that for everyone and not lose any degree of attention or understanding. And he knows you. You. All the things going on with you, all your past, uh, all the internal, everything going on internally. And that is something important. Um, it's something important to not just know intellectually, but to take by faith. God, you know where I'm at. You know. And even when I don't even know how to say what's going on, the Spirit intercedes like God knows. And he'll, he'll intercede with groaning too deep for words. God sees you specifically. He really does. And, you know, if you don't feel that, like point number one, it's still true. But if you're not taking it by faith personally, you could just pray that. God, I know intellectually this is true. I read the verses, but it's not real to me day to day. Would you help me? Would you make it real? And the reality is he sees and he hears that. And so that may be something we could do. So first, the first point was that God sees you even if you don't feel it. The second is he sees you specifically. And this story with Sarah and Hagar is a good kind of story because she's kind of a, well, she's kind of a bystander in a way, kind of, well, kind of a victim in a way in this story. Um, it really sad. But certainly not the most important player in the story. And here God is looking after her. And she's a servant. She's been taken advantage of. And there, here she is out all alone in the wilderness. And there is God there. So no matter who you are, you don't have to be the president of the U.S. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the prettiest person in the room. You don't, none of that. God sees you. And so that's an encouragement. No matter who we are, God is there. He sees us. And so us, you specifically. So that's the second thing. But the third thing is that God sees, he sees you specifically, but he sees what you need. God sees what you need. Just one specific aspect of his seeing. There's a couple of different verses here. 
Uh, let's jump ahead to Matthew 6, all the way in the New Testament. Matthew 6, 7, and 8. I'm going to read one other verse after this. I'll turn there while you're turning to Matthew 6. Okay, Matthew 6. Let's start with that. Matthew 6, verse 7 and 8. The Lord sees what you need is the point we're making here. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So here, Jesus is contrasting what people thought God was like versus what God's really like. And what He's saying is people thought, I need to get God's attention. God, I need to do something to get God's attention. So if I pray this prayer over and over, or if I pray a long enough prayer, that will get God's attention. And God, and God himself, Jesus, says that's not how it works. The Father knows what you need even before you ask. You don't have to get God's attention. God has your, God's attention is already on you before you even start praying. He, and he knows what you need before you ask. Another verse that kind of, I've shared this before again, but this is an encouraging verse to me. It's, it's kind of backwards. So it's actually talking about us, but think about what this says about God's heart. This is from 1 John three seventeen. It says, if anyone, sees, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So this is reversed. Okay, it's saying, if you say you know God and you see someone in need and your heart, your response is close off your heart, how does God's love abide in you? So we we'll just kind of have to run it reverse. So what it's saying is, what is God's love like? When God sees someone in need, his heart does not close off. It's not closed down. He, his heart is open and concerned uh, for those in need. And so it's kind of reverse, but it's teaching us about God. When God sees someone in need, he does not close his heart against him because that's what God's love is like. And so God knows what you need. And God, not only does he know what you need, he cares. Um, he cares for you. He cares about what you need. His heart is open to you. You know, again, with kids, there's we talk often about the difference between want and need. And so we say prayer, you know, pray together at dinner and one of the prayers that gets said a lot is, God, please give us everything we want and need. And we talk about that, you know. God has promised that he'll give us everything we need, but he has a promise that he'll give us everything we want. And so, God hasn't promised to make our life easy. God has promised to give us what we need. And so, again, parenting, you know this. What would your day be like if you told your kids, whatever you want today, rest of the day we can you know you can have it we can do it i mean kids might be sick tomorrow morning or in the hospital or something and so the reality is kids do not know what they need but they definitely know what they want um often so what would that be for dinner what would you guys be eating for dinner if you could have whatever you want it might be marshmallows at our house marshmallows and cookies probably and 
stomach aches coming. What about sleep? You know, would your kids sleep? What time would they go to bed? Um, there's a lot of things. But, you know, the reality is, is that we're pretty much like that to God. I mean, the same way we look at our kids and kind of, we love them, but we know they don't know what they need. That's how we are to God. That we, I mean, I think, there's a lot of days I think what I need is everything to go right, have a nice easy day, relax. Kids, you know, do everything we ask. And uh, I certainly don't think I need uh, to get woken up in the night, you know. There's a lot of things that happen in my life that I don't think are needs, um, but they are. And it's just like the kids, and that's the way God views me. He loves me, he cares about me, but he knows what I need better than I do. And that's the same for all of us. Um, We need difficulty in our life. We need it. We need difficulty. You know, James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many, many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I mean, how many of us need perseverance? You know, when a trial comes, do you feel like giving up? That means you need perseverance. And God's working that in you by difficulty, by bringing it into your life. God sees exactly what you need. That's a comfort. It's also a comfort just if you think about all the things the Bible says about our frame and that it's but dust. You know, there's a story where Spurgeon... Again, Spurgeon kind of gets to the end of his rope, and he's got, uh, I think it was gout, they say now. I can't remember. He had a really painful thing. I think it was gout, but I could be wrong. Um, And he prayed a really raw prayer to God. He said, God, you know, I wouldn't let my dog go through this kind of suffering. And I just, I need, I can't take it. Um, And he basically was crying out, God, I just... I need you to take this right now. I don't think I can handle any more. And that's a comfort. Even when you get to the end of your rope to know God's there and God knows and God hears. um, And he knows what you need. And it may be that you're appealing to that God. I really need you to come through because I just can't keep going. And we can trust him in those moments and be real with God. And he knows. And... um, he may be want, wanting you to get to the place where you, you lean on him fully. You know, it's like, all right, God, I can't do it. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm done. I need you, you know. And we can trust the Lord that he sees everything we need. And that applies to the whole man. You know, this is similar to what we talked about in Nehemiah, but he sees what you need, not just physically, not just spiritually, but emotionally, relationally, all these things. Maybe you don't, Maybe you don't have friends, you know. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe your schedule's filled to where maybe you've got friends but you don't have time to get together with them. And you can appeal to God, Lord. You know, you said it's not good for me to be alone. Like, I, I, help me, you know. Free up something. Help something change. I need other people. Um, It could be something like that. It could be sleep. You know, maybe you're an insomniac or something like that. Um, And you, you need sleep. Appeal to God, God, you know what I need, and I need some sleep. Help me. Um, it could be work. Could, there's a thousand things it could be, but the Lord knows what you need, and appeal to that, and lean on it, that God cares and God knows. Okay, back to Psalm 139. This is the fourth thing. Two more things here that 
our comfort that God sees us. Psalm 139 again. A couple different verses here from Psalm 139. The next thing that God sees, this is important. God sees your unique design and purpose. God sees your unique design and purpose. Psalm 139, 14 to 18. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Sorry, did I say what verse? 139, 14. I can't remember if I said that. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, or purposes, could, could be translated, how precious to me are your purposes. O oh God, how vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. So one thing I want you to notice here is that God sees your unique design and purpose. Well, it's more than that. He sees it. You know, he planned it, but he definitely sees it. And we don't ever want to really overreact to our culture because our culture is, our culture will kind of say this in a little bit different way. But, you know, there's kind of self-esteem and, you know, don't let kids compete because then, you know, one of them's going to lose and we don't want that and you can't give kids grades and you don't you certainly don't want to give them A, B, and C while they're, you know, in school because that might hurt their psyche and all that stuff. So the, what I've seen often, human beings, we overreact and we don't want to overreact to our culture to the point where we take away something that's true from the Bible because our culture's Culture is hammering on one side of an issue. And so we can kind of do that here. You know, we could hear our culture talking a lot about self-esteem and how every person is valuable as an individual. Um, and, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And at school, there's always these posters that have, like, a snowflake. And, and they say, like, every person is unique and, and all those kind of things, like building people up. Yeah, to the point where, you know, I can't remember who told us, but somebody was talking to us about working in HR at a company and talking about how the, the kids coming in who had just graduated college were acting so different than any of the other employees where they would miss a deadline and they would go to HR and complain, like, my boss is just not understanding. I mean, I needed more time, and they didn't give me more time. And they, so they were finally complaining against their boss because they missed the deadline. It's like it's all about them. You know, it's like if I miss a deadline, it's my boss's fault for getting – because they didn't give me enough time. And I guess the HR person said, like, you got to do your job. <laughs> like, you, like, this is not a complaint against them. Like, you're not doing your job. So kind of the idea of, like, it's all about me, you know. And um, Okay, so there's that side on the culture. But we don't want to overreact and not believe what the Bible says. Like, look, we just read about how God says that he uniquely designed every person in your mother's womb. And so we don't want to overreact. Um, we don't want to say there are pieces of truth in that, you know, in all those things, and biblical truth. We want to hit, hit the nail on the head, not go one way or the other just because of our culture. We're sinners, right? We don't want, we don't want to lose sight of that. Um, 
We're not the center of the universe. God is. I had a student uh, that was in fifth grade, and one of the things we would talk about regularly was literally we would have conversations where we would practice talking about, do you always get what you want? Is everything about you? And they would say, yes. And we, and we would literally talk through it like, no, like you don't always get what you want. And we would go, do you always get what you want at home? And like, yes. <laughs> and it was a battle, you know, and, and the reality was we had to just get that, you know, hammered into them. It is actually not all about you. And they were being totally serious. Like it was not, it was not a joke. Um, I always get what I want. And you can imagine what the classroom was like with that. Um, so anyways, so there's that side. But on the other side, we don't want to go to the other extreme. And, and the Puritans, um, as good as the Puritans are, they were kind of unbalanced. And there's some, I got a quote here. I'm not going to say who, which Puritan it is. But just listen to this quote, what, how different this is from Psalm 139. This person was um, rejoicing that they are living in the wilderness because, here's the quote, it seems most fit for such a poor, ignorant, worthless, despised creature as I. And so the person, and this person, uh, this is from an autobiography that they wrote, and they wrote down their prayers and things like that. And this, their autobiography is filled with this, talking about how worthless, what a worthless worm they are over and over and the reality is, that's false, right? Uh, the Bible does not say that. That's actually a lie. It's not from Jesus. Jesus says, fear not, you're of more value than many sparrows, Matthew ten, thirty-one. You're actually more valuable, right? You aren't worthless. You're actually valuable. You're more valuable than a worm. You're more valuable than a sparrow. And so the reality is, is that even sinners are valuable to God. God cares that you know, there's, we could go through a lot of different verses that bring this out, but God shows throughout the Bible that a man and even a sinner's blood that's spilt by murder, like that matters to God um, deeply. And so you are valuable. God knows that you're uniquely designed. You have a unique purpose. And we don't want to let the culture take that away because they're hammering it in a way that's uh, twisting it, you know, and taking God out of the picture. That's true. Look at Psalm 139. Look at Matthew 10. Every single person, God sees you, and you're valuable to him. And he sees that you're unique. Every single one of you is unique in your design and your purpose. Um, You know, God knows what every single day in your life is going to be like, and he put you where you are for a reason. Acts 13.36 says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw, saw corruption. So David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, that's true for every human being, that God puts you where you were in your generation for a purpose, um, to serve a purpose. You have an important role to play, um, and God knew that. God knew every single one of the days that was going to be written in your book, Psalm 139, before they began. Every day, every single day has a purpose. Every single day of your life, and God put you and designed you and made you who you are, and put you where you are. And God sees that. And that's something that we can take comfort in. Because often, have you ever felt like this? You know, wow, what good am I doing here? Or why, well, I wish somebody else was in this situation. I wish it wasn't me, because I don't really know what I'm doing. The reality is, is that God sees the whole world. And he sees you. And he sees how you're wired. And he sees all your unique faults and failings and strengths. And he put you where you are. Praise the Lord for that. And we can lean on that. And we can trust that. Look, 
I'm in a difficult situation, I might be able to look out and and look at all the people that I know and think, man, I wish so-and-so was in this. But the reality is God put you there for a purpose. Um, he has a purpose for you, the way he made you and where he put you. And so we can lean on that and trust that. God cares about you. God sees what you need, God, and God puts you where you need to be, is the way we could say this. God saw where you, he wanted you to be, and he put you right there. And then finally, let's kind of, this kind of dovetails with that idea that, this is the final thing, that God sees the big picture for your life and all of history. God sees the big picture for your life and all of history. So, back same verses in Psalm 139. Just notice what he says there. Your eyes saw my, this is verse 16, my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your purposes, O God. How vast is the sum of them. God has a purpose every single day that you are alive. He has a purpose for you. Um, it could be thoughts. It could be purposes there. I don't know. Does the NAS say thoughts? There? Thoughts. Okay. Well, earlier on, that translates that same word purposes earlier in Psalm 139. But anyways, um, God sees the big picture for your life. God knows. There's a story from Harry Truman, uh, his life that's kind of, again, parenting, kind of ties back into the whole thing. But he bought his daughter... Uh, they weren't really super well off even after he became president, but um, but he did get more money later on in their life after being like vice president um, and kind of things like that. But anyways, one Christmas, he bought his daughter a grand piano for Christmas, and she's pretty young. So he bought her a grand piano, and she said, I really wanted an electric train set <laughs> and was really disappointed. And the reality is, is that's kind of how we are, right? I mean, it's like a little kid, you know, you see this grand piano and then your friend down the street got these little toy electric trains. And it's like, man, I just really wanted electric trains. Well, the reality was is that she ended up um, being a, going to college for music and being a professional singer for a while, his daughter. And so think about that. The big picture of her life, if you look, if as a parent, you can look and see um, my child loves music, my child you know, whatever, and this would be a good gift now and for years to come, and the kid doesn't see it, you know? And I wonder what she probably thought looking back. But the reality is that's the way God is in your life. Um, And maybe there's times where you can see that looking back. Um, Oh, wow, that's why this happened. It was leading me towards this. This was really difficult at this time, but prepared me for this difficult situation coming up. God's doing that in your life. Every once in a while, you'll get to see it. There was one time for in for me, that was encouraging. A lot of times, you know, you can't look back and see it directly, but we had this deal with our um, dishwasher where I woke up one morning and water's just pouring out of the dishwasher onto the floor. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? Actually, I think what happened was I stepped into the kitchen and stepped in a puddle. I was like, what? Is... And then I turned the light on and water's just coming out of the dishwasher. It's off. Anyways, long story short, it took me a long time to figure out what it was and... Um, I ordered the part on the internet and got the wrong part and sent it back and got a different one. But eventually I got it fixed, and it took me a long time, a lot of difficulty trying to figure out what's going on, how do I take this apart and put this piece in. 
and it was difficult at the time. But then one, uh, probably like six months to a year later, we were at Ryan and Jamie's when they still lived here in, um, in Kirksville, and the water started pouring out of their dishwasher. And he, uh, it was really uh, amazing because, um, so they get out towels, and I said, oh, just close it and push cancel, and it'll drain all the water out. You know, instead of mopping up what's coming out, you can just close it because it's watertight. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And I had learned that by heart, you know, <laughs> doing the exact same thing myself. And then it was the exact same piece that they needed. Literally the only thing I know how to do on the dishwasher is this, <laughs> is this one thing. And, the, and so it was, it was perfect because it was like this difficult thing happened to me, but then it happened to them, and I just happened to be there at the exact moment. And it happened to be the exact same piece. And we ordered it, and it was a hundred times easier the second time <laughs> because I, you know, kind of knew what was going on. But it was, it was definitely looking back. You know, you could see like, wow, I'm really thankful, God, to be able to help them. You know, and um, it's, you know, a ten dollar piece instead of getting somebody to install a brand new dishwasher. Like, praise the Lord. And there's little things like that you can look back in your life and see. Sometimes that's just a a little story, you know, that's not super important, but there's other things that, you know, stories that you can't tell, really difficult things going on as a child or as an adult, and you see, wow, this is really hard, and then coming later on, you see, wow, um, I'm glad that I went through this because now I can help this person or I, I knew how to respond here. And so you can look Look for those things that God sees the big picture of your life. He knows what's coming next. He knows what's coming every single day. He knows what's happened in the past. And God sees not only that, but the big picture of all of history. God knows where everything's going, not only for you, but for every single person. And so God may be putting difficulty, and he is putting difficulty in your life that's there so you can help somebody else. That he knows this person down the road or this person that you're going to interact with is going to be going through this and you're going to be the one that I want to help that person and to tell them uh, what happened to you or to give them some advice that you wouldn't have been able to give or to even just sympathize and listen or not give advice and just be there, you know, whatever it is. Um, But God is preparing you uh, through what he's going on, putting in your life each day, every single day, and he sees the big picture, what that means now for the people around you, but then also for eternity. So let's just finish this up by just applying it. How can we apply this? Well, we just want faith. We want to apply this by faith, right? We don't want it to be back to the Spurgeon quote, just a fact in our head this week. We want it to be taken by faith and applied to our lives, that God sees you today. He knows what you need. He sees you specifically. He has a unique design and purpose for every single day of your life. And that he sees the big picture of your whole life and the whole world. And that's why he put you right where he put you. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to ground to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. I mean, we can just take this reality and take it and apply it by trusting. We don't have to fear. Uh, God knows what's going on. God knows why it's going on. God knows how long it's going to last, and we can trust him um, that it's not because we've lo- he's lost sight of us. It's not because he doesn't care about us and you're not valuable. God cares, 
and he knows, and we can lean into that this week when I'm sure something's going to go wrong between now and Christmas and um, for all of us, right? Whether that's just a schedule or um, something, whatever is, you know, shipping is delayed and somebody's really offended that you're, you didn't get him a gift or whatever it is. Um, God knows and we can lean in on him. We can trust him. Somebody's going to have a flat tire, you know, all those kinds of things. And when it happens, don't just let um, emotions run the show. Lean in and say, Lord, you know, I'm trusting you. I'm exercising faith here that even though this isn't what I chose, you're in control and you care. And so I'm going to just trust. So whatever's going on, however this can apply to you, but take it by faith and trust the Lord um, Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you for every piece of truth. And we do pray, please help us to apply it by faith, not just um, know it in our minds. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you for every single person here. And thank you even for the timing of difficult things in our life that you know what's best for us. We want to trust you with that. And we do pray for our kids that they would know you and trust you and love you. Um, We need you to do that in their hearts. We're looking to you. Amen.